It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans at the lovely Columns Hotel. Hi, how are you doing? I'm Grant Morris. In the next 60 minutes, you'll get to meet just three of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans, and you'll get to hear some amazing live music today, I'll tell you that. At the end of this show, you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music. But you probably know that already, so let's get right on with doing nothing. But enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together, my amazing guests sitting around the table here today are an extraordinary collection of New Orleanians. Evan Christopher is a virtuoso clarinet player who really should have been born in New Orleans in 1920, but moved here in 1994. Evan has played with the New Orleans musicians such as Al Hurt, the Nightcrawlers, Tom McDermott and Galactic for a diverse bunch. He has a prestigious (laughs) career as a recording artist and performs around the world. An international citizen of jazz, Evan leads a band in Paris called Django a la Creole, whose record Finesse was the UK Sunday Times best jazz CD in 2010, and that's just part of the story. Hi, Evan. What's happening, Grant? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you very much. To my left, O'Shea Cleveland. Is Hi, a, Hello. A living contradiction in terms. A gourmet vegan. O'Shea is the, f- O'Shea, sorry, <laughs> O'Shea right. is the founder and owner of Dream a Little Green, a vegan gourmet catering company and a lifestyle blog. O'Shea moved to New Orleans from Annapolis, Maryland, and recently talked to Samuel Jackson in line at Starbucks. Thanks, you're stalking my Facebook page. I did get that off your Facebook page. What did he say to you? Oh, oh, we were just chit-chatting about the ridiculous line that there always is there. At Starbucks. Yeah. What a waste of a conversation with Samuel Jackson. I, know, I, I was so Starbucks. nervous I couldn't think of anything else oh, to say except God. that I love you. Wow. <laughs> Teresa Anderson, hello. Hello. Ah, you did it. Teresa Anderson is a musician, a singer, and a songwriter who moved to New Orleans from Sweden in 1990 as a violin player Four. in Anderson. 1994. Yes. Four years after, it says here. 1994, as a violin player in Anders Osborne's band. You guys moved here in the same year. We did. Is that a coincidence? It was. You weren't weren't coming from (laughs) Sweden, right? A complete coincidence. After many years of being a part of and fronting and recording with a variety of her own bands in New Orleans, in 2008, Teresa went totally solo, releasing a seminal album called Hummingbird Go, on which she played all the instruments. Teresa then spent the next two years taking the indie pop music world by storm, by recreating the complex and beautiful recording live on stage, totally alone. Teresa's new album, Street Parade, is just out, and we're looking forward to hearing you recreate parts of it here today, Teresa. We heard yes. a little bit before. It sounds amazing. Thank you. So this is an incredible show on piano, as always, the delightful, charming, talented, and sexually attractive, Mitchell Foreman. <laughs> well, there you go. Isn't he gorgeous? I don't know, Mitch. How you doing in there? There he is. Ah. That's nice. Hi, Mitch. How are you? Hey, Grant. I'm well. How are you doing? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you right before the final note. Ah, that's what right. sort of a week has it been over there? Oh, it's been, uh, it's been yeah, another and a continuing series of fantastic weeks. Really? Yes. How long can, it, how long can the streak last? Do you think? <laughs> I don't know. A lifetime. It's good. So, Mitch, we've got an unbelievable... <laughs> until it stops. <laughs> until, until, <laughs> we don't know when that's yeah, going to be, of course. <laughs> how long are you thinking of living, Mitch? <laughs> You have any clue? <laughs> no. We used to, I used Evan? to play with this guy, uh, Jack Sheldon. He always used to say, we're going to keep playing until there's a death in the band. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack, and Jack so. as you know, he sort of, uh, well, he didn't do it on purpose, but he sort of faked his own death recently. Yeah, I know. Oh, you know him. Jack's a buddy, sure. He recorded on one of my albums, and uh, he oh, was cool. always very kind to me. But he, uh, he had, there was a Jack Sheldon in Arizona who passed right, away, died. and some musicians caught wind of it. I think it was Wayne Berger on the trumpet player, and they caught wind of it, and they started spreading this horrible rumor that Jack Sheldon passed away, and it, it sort of you know, went around the circles. Everybody was just, just, just so I distraught, know. I was, uh, only I was to find right out there. that it must have been a different Jack Sheldon, and Jack was, the rumors of Jack's death had been highly exaggerated. Did it hurt his career or help it? I, I wouldn't know. how. Did it, did it help or hurt? Uh, I, I think it just fit right in. <laughs> it's, it's, it was, He's, he wasn't looking too good last time I saw him playing. He's a trumpet. Do you know who Jack Sheldon is, you guys? He's a trumpet. Now, yeah. now, now, yeah. Teresa. People, people uh, my age know Jack Sheldon. How old are because you? Because of I'm, well, I'm 42 now, but well, we remember junction. Jack Sheldon as being the voice of many of our favorite um, um, uh, uh, shorts uh, that that were the animated shorts that were sort of the it's called Schoolhouse Rock. I don't know if anybody remembers Schoolhouse yeah. Rock. Oh my but gosh, yes. Jack yeah. Sheldon was. Um, I'm only a bill way up on Capitol Hill. That was Jack and uh, wow. Conjunction Junction. What's your function? All those. That was Jack Sheldon. So that's why I didn't I, know that. Did I you know that? Know. No, Teresa, I you? just got schooled. And he yeah. played. He played great bebop trumpet. He was a he was a personal friend of Chet Baker's, and um, wow. you know he he knew all the cats. He was. Uh, Is he still, Mitch? Are you still playing with him? 
I don't play. He's kind of not. He's not playing that much. He has a big actually band. not so at is all. Is he still doing the big band gig? Up no, in the, the big uh, band's the big band's not happening. The, he's uh, he's not playing actually okay. for, right. since right. for the last kind of since for about a year. Okay, all, all right. So that so that that rumor of his death really took the wind out of his sails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Sometimes no, no. people are bigger in death though than they are when they're alive. Elvis, Marilyn Michael Marilyn. Jackson, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Who was that, Mitch? Yeah, Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Michael Jackson. And that show is coming here, by the way. You guys know that, right? What show? The Cirque du Soleil Michael Jackson show is coming. It's it gonna, is? It's gonna, I think it's going to start. It's like world tour or, or, or uh, UK, uh, Uni- United States tour, I think, in New Orleans. Yeah. Why would they do that? I don't know. Why would they start that here? Because there's a big production company that thinks that we have the, that, that is you know, planning on us having the infrastructure in place for it to do that. I guess you could try something out here. If it doesn't work, who would know? Well, <laughs> so. you know who's going to report that? Who's going to? No, come? I think I think because this this city is really starting to get uh, the infrastructure for those types of things together. Right. Teresa, have yeah. you noticed things changing here? I, yeah, I I think so. I've seen some lovely renovations and and stuff. I've I've got to confess, I've been gone and gone on the road so much that. Uh, when I get home, I, I stay in my little neighborhood of Algiers Point. Well, have, but things two, are changing there. You, you know? have two kids now to keep you home. No, gosh, no. Well, if you count my husband as one kid, I have oh, two. You have one kid and a, and a husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought I, you have a, I have a 10-month-old baby. Oh, yeah. you have well, the one kid that's 10 months old. Where did, I, one? where did I get the one is enough, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it used to be a dog, but I don't know where you got the second kid I don't have from. no idea where I got no. that from. Where did you get the What happened to the dog, I mean? She died of old age. She really did die. Not yeah. like Jack Sheldon. No. What was the dog's uh, name? <laughs> uh, uh, no, Ruby. Ruby. Oh, Ruby. that's right. Well, Ruby was kind of part of your. I know, right? You've met Ruby. Yes, probably. part of your yeah. life at, well, for a long time. Yes, she was. She was my friend and my my everything. Here's to Ruby. My oh, my glasses. Yeah. Well, oh, what sucks? No. What's happened to the service I'm here at the Collins? Is just dreadful. Here's to Ruby. You guys Indeed. are drinking nice drink. drinks with green things in them. <laughs> yeah. Look. Uh, where's uh, why do we get plastic? And I got the smallest glass. Look, you got a tiny glass in plastic, and so do I. And you guys get real nice-looking glasses. It's not very fair. Yeah. Teresa, wh- when you recorded that, uh, the album Hummingbird Go in your mm-hmm. kitchen, yeah. it really was just you were just doing that because you had nothing better to do. I mean, everything. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like you thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this album in my kitchen and yeah, take I the world by storm. I, well, you never, I, I don't really think like that. I'm a humble Swede, um, and we're very, <laughs> very... We, we don't think like that. but um, What do you think like? We're, we're just kind of quiet and reserved and, and... Stoic and very... And stoic. <laughs> and, and did I say quiet? Remember that time nose you... Put to the, nose to the grindstone. Yeah, I think it's, yes. more, it's more of an American quality to think that the, you're going to be this big star. I don't think it's yeah, very European. Um, no, but there was a time when I really wanted to be discovered, like, uh, you know, like... Not like her, but like just have it all served to me like Britney Spears or something and have a big pop hit and be produced and all that stuff. But, you know, then I got too old and it didn't happen. And then I decided that I'm just going to do it myself, my own way, on my own terms. And that way I can create the world I want to live in. I can make the music that I like and I can serve it up the way I want to serve it up. And I can be creative as I can be and not try to fit in into any particular you know, box. Can, can or I just whatever. can I just throw out that that's not that's not just a, a a factor of there's a there's like some point in one's career where where what the Britney Speardom is isn't possible had nothing to do with that really. I mean, our our business has changed dramatically. Yeah, but it, you know, I'm I'm almost as old as you are, or okay. young. So like for may. a reality check, you know, I think I had to just tell myself that you know that part's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. And yes. Because the music industry has changed so much. And as a musician, you can go on YouTube. You can go online and promote yourself. You can do a lot yourself. And you can find your audience and they can find you. It makes it possible. You don't need the giant record label. But it's not so simple. Yeah. Like when you had a giant record label, at least there was a guy who believed in you if you had a deal who would put $100,000 out there and pay radio DJs and pay the marketing stuff to play the record. Right. And now, that was the dream. And that was the dream. Right. And hopefully you didn't get in the backwaters of some other big act and, and get washed out and then, you know, your career's over. But um, what? But the nature of the business is such that I actually know a lot more about Teresa's music. I, 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 if, if Britney Spears walked 
through that hallway, I wouldn't recognize her. I don't know anything about Britney Spears, and I know a lot more about Teresa Anderson. Because, what does that say about you? Well, no, it says no. It says about what You're our business. It says about what our. <laughs> it says about what our business has become, um, and how we find out about each other. How yeah. how our uh, how the people that are interested in our music find out about us. Um, and it's uh, it it's the idea that, that you know you can still be but, in a niche in a you, niche musically. It's really, it's really hard to be, a, but it's really hard to be found. On YouTube, it's really hard to be found on the internet. You got extremely lucky with that that song. That, what was the song? Is it no, 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 no. That was yeah. you put it on YouTube. I'm sure you had no idea that a million people were going to look at that thing. Right. And it was a sensation. Yeah. Because it was just because it was so good and it was and, so real. And it was right in the beginning when YouTube started to have that happen to people, uh, and it was a total fluke. And yes, it did spark a lot for me. Like, it, and it sparked a lot of interest and opened a lot of other doors. But I love that format where the fans can actually right. choose for themselves. And it wasn't some group of people who paneled and judged and said, this is worth showing no, or we this are, we're going to know. We that was are the, our was own the gatekeepers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that yeah. is a very exciting change. And I think, yes, it's cluttered out there, but, you know, it is possible. And it's really exciting to, you know, you, you can make a real fine living and a real wonderful living just doing what you love and be able to put it out there and find an audience. How do you like doing it? I mean, you pulled up outside the Collins Hotel today in a big white van, mm-hmm. and we all spent, all of us here spent like half an hour lugging this equipment in and, <laughs> yeah. and plugging it in. There's all sorts of equipment here. Yeah. I mean, you do that all by yourself. You don't have a tech. You don't have a rotor. You don't today, have because I didn't get paid today. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. How much but that's all right. How much should we give? It you? was f- no. it's a free drink. You <laughs> well, got no, a little you, tiny wee drink like that. I had all say. of you guys. I knew that. See, so okay. I didn't have to bring someone else. That but you, but you do have people otherwise. Yes, I, I travel with a sound person and my baby and a nanny. Where's the baby today? She's at home with daddy. What's her name? Elsie. Elsie. Yeah. Now, that, uh, that's obviously changed everything. It has. I have to, uh, I'm, and I'm a little bit nervous because she's already, I counted, she's 10 months old. She's been on 18 flights already. Aww. Uh, <laughs> we've been to Europe on, on a couple of tours already, and we're about and, to embark on our first United States tour. And is she a very States stoic tour. Swede also? Is she very quiet on the flights? And <laughs> she she's is. Very, that's well, awesome. She's starting to get a little wild and rambunctious. She likes to move around more. So it's, it's you know, harder work for me, but it's fun. She's a very good baby. But we're about to start our first U.S. tour, and it's a whole different ball game here, because where I tour in Europe, you get in the car for three hours, you're at the next show. Mm. Here, it's more like eight hours, yeah. so I'm a little bit nervous about that, mm. and I'm hoping that we haven't taken too much on. And the food's worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little different, <laughs> but the views are, are spectacular, and I'm very excited about seeing the country again. Who's going in the car? It's going to be my baby and the nanny, who's uh, also a fantastic musician and puppeteer. Uh, and then it's going to be my sound person, Cam, who's from Seattle. And that's it. That's it. Wow. And that's all the gear. It'll impressive. be full. Yeah. That's going to be impressive. You know, we should, we should listen to a song. Okay. Shouldn't should we? Because uh, we got all this. Pop on the pedal? Yeah. Okay. So what's going to happen now is Tracy's going to take sorry. the headphones off Great. and you move need to, over. You need to describe what's happening. That's hap- what I was just going to do. Here. Evan, you yeah. describe it for me. What, how, would you, God, how would you describe so, this? So there's, um, there's speakers that sort of look like a, like a, like a, a driveway like a driveway basketball court. Yes, it does look and, like that. And then there's, um, there's, a, there's a whole... She's surrounded by her own contraption of electronic pedals. Like literally surrounded. There's uh, 180 degrees of pedals, mm-hmm. all different shapes and colors, and all connected with cables to this big, colorful box. And, and you and can then, see all this on actually the, on our Facebook on the other page. Other side, she's, she's got drums, and she's, uh, she's there's two drums. What kind of drums are they? Well, there's a, there's a sort of a floor tom. There's elements of a of a trap kit. Okay, Teresa, are you going to tell us something about what you should have got you to do that before you moved off that mic, probably? But what are you going to play? I'm going to actually start with a traditional song, and this was one of the first songs I learned how to loop, and it's always a good warm-up song for me when I get a little nervous. Are you nervous? Yes. It is a little nerve-wracking in here. It's so tiny. It is. We're right right on top of you. I'm always nervous that I'm going to make a mistake, because then I have to start over, because I'm doing everything live. So I'm going to start with this, because hopefully I'll know it by now. (laughs) It's called Oh Mary, Don't You Weep.
I bet you're not nervous wow. now. Oh, that was incredible. That was great. Come and sit on down. Awesome. It's the Teresa best happy Anderson. hour I've ever been to. That really is the best happy hour you could ever be invited to. See, now you understand why why I know more about Teresa Anderson than Britney Spears. What I mean, that's that's I, 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 Britney Spears has got nothing on Teresa. This is ridiculous. You're right. Well, she she probably has a bigger house. Yeah, somewhere you know, in Los whatever. Angeles. But I mean, you know. she doesn't live in Algiers Point though, yeah. which is it's superior in my opinion. Teresa, is it all looking good over there? Just in case you were wondering, when you listen to that and you're thinking, what, what, what did I just hear? That was one New Orleanian woman <laughs> and a violin. Yep. That was unbelievable. See, Grant, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm actually not a foot guy, but I just, had to, I just <laughs> had to keep an eye on her feet to see how it was all happening. It was kind of like, you know, the magician. You're kind of watching, waiting it's for them. It's amazing how that's all going want, through. Trying to figure deal. out what the trick is. But, I mean, you know, there's, Looking a, for the mirrors under there's the table, a lot like, of choreography going on over there. Oh, Shay, how did you get to be a vegan? Or is it, um, first actually, of all, let's start again. Is okay. it vegan or vegan? It's actually vegan. It's you said vegan. it right. Vegan. Vegan. Yeah, it's I spelled s- like <laughs> vegan, but it's pronounced vegan. Thank you. You say vegan. What did the Brits say? I don't know. Mitch, what do the Brits say? Vegan? 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 Know, wait, that I'm not sure. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. What, I think so, it's vegan. Well, no first of all, a vegan are. is a person who doesn't eat anything to do with animals. Yeah, correct? no animal products, actually. And it's relatively okay. new for me. I actually didn't become vegan until um, a few months ago. Pay no attention to those women. Okay. Just talking to that. <laughs> sure. And uh, I, I really, I was reading a lot of research. You didn't become a vegan until when, did you uh, say? Like the end of last summer, about. Was so one how many, was that a year ago? Uh, just actually less than a year ago, like about eight or nine months ago. How do you get to be a gourmet after one year? Uh, well, I mean, basically I became vegan because I was reading a lot of different research studies and, and, you know, watching different documentaries that were really detailing sort of the cruelty and sort of the environmental impact. Oh, that's impact the problem and, right there. Right. <laughs> if you hadn't watched those. If I hadn't, yeah, right. then I could go on in willful ignorance. Yeah, you just have <laughs> a barbecue like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Why did you watch all that stuff? Um, it really kind of fell into my lap. My mother um, just recently, um, is she's uh, in remission for breast cancer. And in Annapolis, where I'm from, breast cancer is extremely prevalent. And uh, so she was doing a lot of research on how to improve her health. And uh, what she stumbled upon was veganism. And so she gave me a book to read. And I was really just floored because I think we all have sort of an image in our head when we're growing up of the life 
life of the farm animal and you know what it's mm. what it's all about and and it's this, this happy little existence and then they're sort of you know killed in a very humane way and it's just it's not like that at all and we're seeing you know in America a huge epidemic um, of unhealthiness you know or just like with fast food and all this other stuff and we're not seeing yeah and we're not seeing in um, other countries and so I I really right? felt like really oh. Well, to to a pretty significant degree in America. I mean, we can. We're the unhealthiest country. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I probably have like industrialized, Western industrialized, or even just industrialized. I don't actually have the statistics I mean, and data eating, on that. But eating nothing maybe more make it maybe maybe more uh, uh, unhealthy than eating poorly. But but yeah, we we have a we have a pretty documented reputation for eating poorly. There's and, no question. And mm. it's it's getting much worse than it is better. What is the definition of getting worse or or? Well, is it uh, the prevalence of illness? Uh, yeah, illness, um, pr- particularly preventable illness. Um, the number two cause of death in this country now comes. Well, actually, the number one and number two are from prevent. They're preventable illnesses. So we have well, smoking is one, and the other one is heart disease, which we're learning now is mainly from diet and lifestyle. And when we're you know kind of consuming these massive amounts of animal protein, sugar, um, you know, and all of this sort of broken down stuff that's not real food, um, and you know, what they're kind of adding into all these things to make them extremely processed, it's actually causing a lot of health problems. And so that's another huge component. And also the environment, you know, we're seeing all these elements now. Um, I'm from Maryland, and I've seen firsthand the pollution of the Chesapeake Bay that comes largely from farm runoffs. I mean, it's it's really severe. Basically from, what is that from, like... All those chickens they chicken have? Chicken farms. And, yeah, chicken and pigs. poo. Chicken yeah. shit is chicken flying poo. into the Chesapeake Bay. And Pig exactly. poo and cow poo. And what about the Mississippi River? It all comes to us. filled with all sorts of It all comes right? to us. Yeah, it all comes yeah. down here. And we're drinking it, we're eating it, and it's... And we're loving it. Yes. And <laughs> so we're, you know, we're seeing just how much, just what you're eating on a, on a daily basis is contributing so, to all of these factors. Okay, so what did you do before you read this book a year ago? Um, did you have a proper? I, I was. I'm sorry. Did you do something else before? You oh, for a living. Well, I actually yeah. worked in real estate, but I also um, graduated from the University of Maryland um, pretty much shortly before I discovered this. So I, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time with this microphone. Okay. <laughs> I'm like right on top of it. Um, so yeah, so I had graduated um, from the University of Maryland. Uh, and the then end you of decided to get and you decided to get super healthy and move to New Orleans. Yeah, I, I well, actually, I moved to New Orleans uh, because my fiance is a professor at Loyola University, so I came with him. Here. What is he teaching? He teaches uh, in the business school. He teaches management. And so we moved here together, and we both became vegan together. And it really it changed a lot for us. Like, you know, our energy are getting, levels. Are you getting along better now? Uh, him and I? Mm. <laughs> sure, yeah, we get along great. He, lo- he loves it. He's, he's, he has a very eclectic palate because he lived overseas for, you know, years um, after college. And so he's much more adventurous. And, you know, he's more not More adventurous like, than you. Uh, yeah, much more. I have like a child's palate. <laughs> so finding things that I like is actually more, you know, I grew up on hamburgers and fries and I so like how, So how does the word gourmet come into it? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's a way to sort of describe the type of food, you know, is I do. Is that from your husband? Did he say come up with a marketing concept? <laughs> um, sort of. I mean, it, it kind of just it kind of uh, is a good description for the type of food that I serve. I can do pretty much anything, you know, um, with we do brunches, we do, um, you know, sort of Latin themes, we do vegan barbecues, but it's all it, it's all more we try to take a sort of more artisan approach to the food so that we're, you know, honestly, we have tough critics in New Orleans, so we really have to be able to please them it's on a, a very food. high culinary It's a level. food and music city, so we've got everything exactly. around the table here. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've got the food and the music. Hey, listen, um, so you have this business, Dream a Little Green. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We call it up or we look you up on the internet? And I have a Facebook page well, and I also have... What was that? That was me. <laughs> oh. Bless you. And <laughs> it must have been on the Mitch? other end. It might have been me. Bless, bless you. you. Bless Thank you, Mitch. You. Mitch is across what the room at the piano. So... Well, I have a website that um, yes. it's a dalg dot com, so it's really easy to D-A-L-G. stream a little green. The dream a little green, right? Yes, a dot com. Do you have like a, a Do you have like a jingle? Dream a little green of me. Or I don't, no, I don't have. A, I, that's actually where I came. There we go. I actually came up with the name. I was uh, trying to come up with the name, and I had my iTunes on shuffle, and the Louis Armstrong version of that song came on, and I thought, "Dream a little mm-hmm. green," and wow. so it was Louis who inspired it. Nice. So. 
How perfect. Well, double entendre because you know green, of course, has a you know is a euphemism for money as well. So well, I mean, that's, you know, you can, that's you can, true. Yeah, I am I am yeah, hoping to. <laughs> and Evan, you won the Louis Armstrong National Jazz Award. God, when, when yeah, what did you dig that up? When yeah, you were a child, a, when I was a kid. Yeah. How old were you when you won I that? Must have, I mean, I must have been in high school. I don't remember. Um, so uh, what yeah, high school were you? Uh, going um, to? I, I, I was going to a public high school in uh, in Los Alamitos, California, near Long Beach, and uh, that's not actually where I finished school. But um, yeah, we Did you had get a, kicked out. Uh, well, I sort of, kind of. I mean, I I, really? I, I basically needed uh, I I needed to. Uh, I, circumstances meant I had to go on and figure out uh, actually how to graduate, and I went to a boarding school for music. Well, you're in, are you in Norway? That's how it happened. I was um, I was a little bit stubborn. I wasn't buying into the whole uh, college Education track trip. at first, and, um, and so they kicked the, you out of school. You know, I mean, it's not getting getting kicked out. I um I, I I actually spent basically basically here's what happened in public school. Even though I got this little Louis Armstrong award, I got my my last semester was spent in um you know the dressing room practicing clarinet and saxophone. Okay. At the expense of everything else. So you didn't go to class. And before I knew it, you know, I had, I had, I had ended up with a point eight uh, grade point average <laughs> in my in my last semester, and I had the, for real. Yeah, is that yeah, true? Yeah. Zero point so eight. Zero point eight. And then so that would be like, basically well, sort of like uh, retarded or something. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Institutionalized. <laughs> like, like Animal House. Zero point eight. No, uh, and then I just I had the opportunity to. F- I was invited to go to a boarding school and finish you know finish high school, and that was a music school. And um, and then that kind of actually felt a little bit more natural, right? Um, and and then and the rest is kind of the rest Did kind you know of iron itself out. But it was okay because I had started school really early, so I, it didn't. It, I didn't. You know, it didn't. Really Did you know that you were super talented when you were a little kid? When like eleven or something? No, I was actually. That's that's a funny way to put it. I was actually. I actually went to these music camps and music schools and things like that because I was. I wanted somebody to tell me that I couldn't do this. I needed someone to tell me that I couldn't you, do this. That you didn't. That you shouldn't be. A that musician. I shouldn't be a musician. Because it's a total waste of I, life. I needed more people that, to tell me that. You thought that at ten <laughs> years old. Um, you thought you're going to waste your life away as a musician. Did you even know what a musician no, was? No, I didn't know. I didn't. I never even wanted to be a musician. It just sort of happened. What did you want to be? I, I didn't. I mean, I just wanted. I mean, I. I, I was enjoying. I was enjoying working on music. I didn't. I didn't have any um, aspiration. I guess my I, my first career aspirations. I think taxidermist. I think that was, uh, was somewhere in there. I, <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it was just something. Part of my scholarship when I when I got uh, I got a college scholarship. And part of my part of my scholarship was actually playing music gigs and uh, for other parts of the school, other departments. You know, it was called work study. Except instead mm-hmm. of work study being you sit in an office and you, and you, you, you know, you do clerical work, they would send you out on these little gigs and you'd go play a cocktail reception for the architecture department or something like that. And that was part of my work study. It always sounds so easy when someone tells you this, doesn't it? When you're sitting around a table and like someone can just get up and play a guitar and sing or play a violin and sing like this, or they just <laughs> tell you glibly in conversation, "Oh, I just went and played these little cocktail gigs with a." With my clarinet. Well, I, it's I'm like just anyone can do it. Apparently, you just sort of, you just <laughs> you sort of blow in one end and move your it, fingers up and down. It. Okay, I will say yeah. it always did feel like that. It always did feel like that. To to spend hours to spend hours working on music has never felt like a burden to me. Right. Never. So you can just play. You just pick it up and play. And Teresa, you can just open your mouth and sing like an angel. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, it um, takes work. It takes work Does too. It? I think, but a it never, bit. but it never felt like work, right? That part of it necessarily it never. No. I think when I started doing more stuff like this, playing all these mm-hmm. instruments, then all of a sudden I had to develop parts of myself I had no idea. You know, I got aches and pains from that. I got to be I'm, honest. I'm getting aches and pains from all the marketing crap. How about yeah. you for that? Well, I hired people for that, but for. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. Well, you know, before I like you know, like learning how to do the electronic stuff, it was really a headache. Yeah, and uh, and but then learning to how to play drums, it hurts my hands. And but all those all that kind of pain is good pain, you know. It makes it like when you get a bruise and it feels yeah. good to scratch it or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's like that. Um, when I had a baby, though, my voice disappeared, and that was pretty scary. Because mm. I really feel like the voice is my main instrument, you know, and it was kind of like... For how long? How long did that? Uh, it took me a couple months to get it to sort of come back. And this was right as I was making uh, Street Parade, the record. And I had to, yeah. What a what creepy, what a creepy, What a creepy feeling that must It have was been. not creepy. It was completely terrifying. Mm-hmm. But I, so I was in Shreveport at the time because my husband was doing a puppet show up there. And so I would walk around the park at 5 in the morning because it was 110 degrees outside. And I couldn't go out later than that. 
So me and the little girl walking around the park singing for the squirrels. Wow. Uh-huh. There weren't many squirrels left in the park when I was young. It was <laughs> terrible. Did you what, think what it causes? might not come back? I, I was worried, yeah. And I, I didn't. I, it took me completely by surprise because every mother singer that I talked to said, oh, don't worry, you'll pop that baby out and you'll be up singing in no time. And, and, and I went to sing and it sounded like a little boy that is, you know, in puberty. Right. Like, so, like a, horm- <laughs> a hormonal kind of change. Exactly. It was hormonal. And, and so they were telling me that where I was reading on the Internet. It's a wonderful thing. You can find out everything on the Internet. And I learned that uh, this would probably could settle, but most likely wouldn't change until you stop nursing. And so uh-huh. I didn't want to have to make that cho- choice. So I put mind over matter, and I just made my voice come back. So nice. you, s- you kept nursing and your voice came back? Yes. But it took two months. That's yeah. not long. I guess at the time it must have seemed It felt like forever, horrible. though. Yeah, yeah because I, ha- I have a four-octave range, and I had like maybe four an octave. Four-octave range. Yeah. I don't, I don't have kids. That's, that's my secret. See, that's I, how, you <laughs> re- that's <laughs> how you've retained really, your strength. I'm, I'm actually, you know, really, con- I, would, I, was, I have that same concern. So yeah, yeah, I have, have dogs. No that's enough <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's, l- I want to come back in just a minute and talk about this book in my hand called oh, New Orleans yeah. Wall, Still Standing, which is a bunch of photos by, how do you say that woman's name who wrote this book? can say her whole name. We just call her Doe. Doe. But, but, but her I can't read this. Her whole I name is uh, Marie-Dominique Verdier. Okay. And, and she's uh, a yeah, photographer. Marie-Dominique <laughs> Verdier. Do you speak French, Teresa? Oui, un petit peu. And do you speak French? Je parle français, oui. Let's do the rest of this thing in French. Do you? Okay, that's you un petit peu. <laughs> I speak no French at all, so that would be awesome. I can just go have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Marie-Dominique, elle est de marié de... Okay, I'm sorry. She's the yeah. wife of a, of a musician, actually, a, 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 a friend of ours who used to perform... I don't know if anybody uh, in New Orleans remembers uh, Scott Kirby, who used to roll an upright piano out to Jackson Square and play, you know, ragtime piano mm. and play, play pretty freaking good ragtime piano. He was great. He was great. What and happened so to that piano? He, he, rolled, he rolled it off to some yeah, other state. He, well, they, they, live in, uh, they live in Sandpoint, Idaho. And, um, that doesn't sound too exciting. And, and, and Scott, he's pretty happy just kind of chilling out. Mm-hmm. With, he's got the kid, and he's, uh, he's been painting a lot. And uh, he's, you know, he's, 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 you know, he's got other talents. He's got so other you basically know born. everybody. You know? No, 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 I don't know everybody. But, but Doe, but Marie-Dominique Berthier, Doe comes down, Marie. and, she, uh, and she, uh, she's a photographer, and she knows a lot of the musicians, and she put this wonderful book together called New Orleans Walls. Well, let's take a look at the book in just a minute. First of all, talking of piano, Mitch Foreman's going to play us a song called it's called the alley the alley the alley and i'm gonna okay. tell you, is that, are, you, are, you are you in an alley you sound I'm like not you're in an, an alley, alley but I, I don't know why it's called the alley and the thing is i'm looking through this book where because i never know what i'm going to play before it comes yeah before the show and i'm looking through this book and it, it three pages before the alley is walking in memphis um. so this this was by that guy what was his name mark cohen i don't know if you remember him mm-hmm. yeah remember him so okay. apparently i i must i was living in new york and i was almost gonna play on walking in memphis and then he decided to play it on his own without me and look what it did for him so <laughs> okay check it out it's, it's got nothing to do with walking in memphis except uh time frame
Yeah, man. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. The alley. Thank you. The alley. Mitch Foreman. How did you like playing that, Mitch? Uh, I, I liked it. I haven't played it in maybe uh, 10 years, so it's interesting. Brought back, brought back memories? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last week we were talking about you playing the Hammond B3, and you haven't played piano at all for weeks. I know. I really haven't. And I was almost going to do it for the show today, but it's just uh, presented some, difficult to, yeah, just some, some miking issues. Next, next, next show. Okay. Hey, listen, we're sitting around here at the Collins Hotel. My three guests around the table are Evan Christopher, virtuoso clarinet player, and O'Shea Cleveland, virtuoso vegan, and Teresa and Anderson, virtuoso singer and multi-instrumentalist. In a moment, we're going to actually have a listen to Evan and Teresa playing something together, which is Ooh. totally unrehearsed. All right. We can do that. In the meantime, I just have to tell you a couple of uh, important items. One is that if you're listening to the show... Out- Thank you. Outside of New Orleans, yeah, you outside of New Orleans, and you're headed here, and you're looking for something to do to book a hotel, or you want some activities to do while you're here, check in with our friends at NewOrleans.com, the official New Orleans travel site. The New Movement is an organization of comedians who, after two years of shows in bars, museums, parks, and wherever else they could, have opened a full-time comedy theater in the Marigny at 1919 Burgundy Street. They have shows from Thursday to Saturday. Everything's free or cheap. They have improv and sketch comedy classes. You can check it out on tnmcomedy.com for more information. Also, you can check out Chris True and Tammy Nelson on True to the Game. New Orleans' first badass sports radio show right here on itsneworleans.com. Teresa's got up from the table, I see, immediately already. And, th- Mitch, that was the nicest piano playing you played behind those ads ever. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, Teresa's standing up here counting, moving her hands around. Evan, what are you doing? So, well, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm drinking my martini, and I'm, uh, I could announce that song, I suppose. Okay. So, we said, you know, my, my specialty for a long time, it's only been recently that I've been inspired by um, creative musicians like, well, like, like Teresa to actually be doing some of my own music. Uh, uh, up until very recently, I never thought anybody would think it was interesting. So, um, I, I've been mostly playing dead guy music. Um, and um, this, the, the repertoire that, I'm, that I like the most, or uh, besides New Orleans music, is, uh, is what some friends of mine and I have... Uh, have deemed uh, as a genre Gotham folk Gotham folk music would be uh, the, um, the American songbook Cole Porter Gershwin what's the, conne- what's the connection between Gotham Irving folk Berlin. I would say Gotham folk would be Bob Dylan because he came from New York and oh no well saying. Gotham Gotham what folk he's, he's, he, but he's a folk musician this is Gotham well, that's folk why I thought Gotham this is folk Gotham folk music I mean you know the folk music com- comes before Bob Dylan yeah, uh, folk music is you know this is this is this is early stuff. Why We're are you calling it Gotham? Twenties and thirties, because all these composers okay. were busy in uh, busy in New York in the twenties and thirties writing popular music. This is the Tin Pan Alley. Like, yeah, exactly. Days. So uh, Irving Berlin was one of them, and this is uh, and I and I know that uh, Teresa does this one, and we talked about it briefly. It was uh, Irving Berlin song called Blue Skies. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Thank you. 
so bright. No, this is the days of your life when you in love for how they fly. Totally unrehearsed, <laughs> spontaneous. Oh, no, don't tell them that. Ever. Don't tell them that. No, no. It was, that it was, was beautiful. It was exactly like the rehearsal. And have you guys? Exactly you like make the, the clarinet <laughs> so cool, I have to say. Well, O'Shea, I couldn't have put it any better. <laughs> wow. It's funny yeah. because you, when you hear the clarinet mostly, when you hear songs that clarinetists were famous for playing, they're scratchy. You scratchy. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, you oh, just oh, hear oh, them on oh, old 45s or right, well, old know, recordings. And that's, that's a curse of what I do. I mean, that's, a, that's been one of the hardest things about rebranding myself since I, since I moved back to New Orleans is, you know, I used to be, you know, I used to pretty much wear the dead guy stuff on my shoulder because I thought I was, you know, I was keeping a tradition alive. And I, you know, but it turns out that when I, you know, after the, after the storm and moving away and coming back to New Orleans, I decided that, you know, keeping the tradition alive actually had more to do with making it contemporary and, and, and you know, not not being so, uh, um, you know, quick to make sure that everybody knew about the scratchy stuff, and I started performing my own music. And um, and actually, this is no, this is uh, this is uh, just this week. I was uh, I found out for the for the fourth year in a row that uh, that um, I'm one of the only New Orleans artists to be kind of considered by the Jazz Journalist Association as a uh, as um, you know a, you know a, a, a serious a serious artist, and that's been more because of just. You know, realizing that the the tradition doesn't stand still, and that's the the fun thing. And so, well, uh, you've you've decided not all to those all those left handed compliments about I didn't know a clarinet could sound like that, or you know, I, I love it. I don't I don't have a problem with it at all. But you've decided to do something with your music rather than just go and make a living on Bourbon Street. Well, no, hey, hey, we got we got lots of great musicians on Bourbon Street, and it's not it's not. But the, you're not one of them. Well, no, I, I I don't I just it's too loud for me. Um, but that's that's just it's a it's a personal aesthetic. I, I mean, and it's not to say that you know that we have, we've got we have over four thousand people making music in New Orleans. Uh, that's practically one percent of our population, and they're all. There, everybody has everybody's sort of doing their thing, and I, I, I would I would never accuse anybody on Bourbon Street of, of certainly being being lazy. Those guys work their butts off. Um, I just I just personally have made a choice that that um, I, I want to do something that's a little more personal. That's all. Right. That's really what it comes down. So you want to wanna, you want to make a statement with your music, well, Teresa? I, you got the same point of view. Yeah. I I definitely feel I tell you on that. I tell you, and I also recognize that your music changed dramatically after two thousand five. Yes, after I, the storm, it did. I had uh, I had all my plans laid out. I was playing with a band, touring, doing that that, trying to get the Britney thing happening, you know, um, and that didn't work out. So I I think when you stand to lose everything for me, that was not that I lost much really compared to some, but for me that really made me feel like if I'm going to be out there working my butt off, uh, you know, doing everything that it takes to to be a, a touring, working musician and build your audience, and you put a lot in to, to make that happen. A lot of us did that reevaluation. Yeah, I and I think for me, I felt like if I'm going to put all that work in, I really want it to matter, and I really want to do what's truly in my heart. And I felt like I'm not holding back. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to see if my fans will like it. If they don't, I'll find new ones. Mm-hmm. And know? for me, it was about being an ambassador for a, a specific tradition of music and a, and, a, and, a, and a vocabulary of music and a vocabulary for clarinet that was being lost a little bit over time and that, that, that I fell in love with very young. And to be an ambassador for that and be able to take it to places. I mean, I mean, this year I'm gonna I'm gonna take this music to Somaliland. I'm gonna take it to Japan and and and, and you know to all over UK and, and continental Europe. But I mean, the, actually, the Somaliland trip's really looking. It sounds exciting. Where do but you I mean, stay in the, uh, at the Somaliland? Well, I don't know. We haven't we haven't worked out all that out. And um, you know, what just, does Somaliland look like? Well, where it's is good, it? That's a, well, Somaliland is actually an independent part of Somalia. That's actually you know. F- 
several hundred miles away from sort of the lawless coast of of Somalia, and you know, and and here's this is this is an is that interesting where the thing. pirates. Are? Well, the, what, that's on the on that on is that, that Somali at the, the, the Somali <laughs> coast is where the pirates are. But see, but see, that's that's the great part about it is is what you know part? the part the part that that I didn't know a damn thing about Somaliland right. or Somalia. I mean, to, to say, well, how did you get booked to go to? Somalia? Well, it's just it's just you know we just we make friends around the world through through the music and um and eventually you know who knows where those things take you but but the fact that i knew nothing about somaliland and somalia and i knew nothing about the musicians that came from there i mean i i will well, be doing a concert with the, one of the masters of the somali loot who you can actually see on youtube Are you and he's recording a monster this? I'm going to try. I'm going to definitely try to figure iPhone that out. iPhone it or something. You know, yeah, I've, you know? I've, yeah, there's all sorts of platforms. Who's the, who's the master of the Somali loot? Um, his name is, is unpronounceable by me <laughs> at this point, and, uh, after two martinis. And okay. um, it has a we bunch can of look him up, has, it has different var- variable spellings. But, but that's what the music's supposed to do. And that's what, um, and to represent right. a tradition that's the most unique, uh, I mean, uh, in, terms of, in terms of what we have to offer as the United States, as, a, as, a, as an ethnic tradition of music. I mean, really, the language of blues and the language of, of New Orleans jazz and, uh, in, in particular, those are where the instruments really transformed, and we, we, have, an, we have an opportunity to, to you know, to, to, you know uh, stake, a, stake a claim for a, a musical language that, that's, uh, that's, that's it's as important as, as, as any other, um, you know, uh, ethnic contribution to, to, to uh, our world's music. Yeah, do you think, being, oh, sorry, sorry. Do you think being an ambassador to this sort of limits your own personal creativity, or do you think it really enhances it? No, that's, it? that's what I was, that's what I was trying to explain, is that, is that after 2005, I, I found ways to combine the two, to combine, you know, uh, to, to represent the tradition through the, through the vocabulary of the instrument, but to find my own own, uh, you know, ways to compose music and to uh, to write music that would serve that end in the year 2012. Yeah, it certainly yeah. just, it, I just can see how your music appeals to, you know, someone who, you know, in the modern times, but also you're, you know, kind of, you know, oh, like great. a kickback. Well, that's the idea. That's, so that's the idea. And I, I'm sure Teresa can speak volumes on that, too, because she comes from a background with a lot of different traditions as well. And, and you know, to try to combine combine her personal aesthetic with you know what she's adopted as her new cultural milieu, and combine that with where she came from. I mean, it's it's not a it's not a Teresa has that time task, right? Using a, a very traditional instrument in a different way, exactly. Like yeah, using slides and things on yeah. the violin, and yeah, I feel like the violin is becoming cool again too. I feel like all those like traditional instruments that we had to play growing up have become kind of you know reintroduced themselves in a much more funky way, if you will. If you can play, like, if you can play yeah. like this. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. can certainly. Teresa, we have to make you play another song. You want to play a song off the album, off Street Parade? I would love that. Yeah, let's yeah, I would do love it that. before we run out of time. And then, if I don't okay. mention this book, our producer Graham Dupont is going to kill me. <laughs> so, so when we come back from this song, right. then I'm going to have to discuss this book with you. Okay, Lisa, the New Orleans Walls. New Orleans Walls. Yeah. It's called by Marie Dominique Verdier. Verdier. Yes. I can't even say it. Yes. So, Teresa, what are we going to listen to? We're going to listen to. Um, well, actually, we're going to do a short intro just one time. Right oh now. yeah, sure. Taking the tradition to the new. That's right. So here's and this a. This is uh, an old spiritual call, just a closer walk with thee. Mm-hmm. And then my song is called. Uh, it's called Fire's Gone. Okay. And on the on the record, I wrote Street Parade for um for horns and drums and voice, because it's it's inspired by the New Orleans Street Parade. That's why we have to or start. That's why we, that's why we're starting it off with the traditional so. <laughs> the traditional dirge of the New Orleans funeral. Yeah. Um, do you right. remember? Do you remember what key we're starting this? Yeah, well, it starts in the B flat. Okay. I think. I think that's right. If not, I'll get in
Anderson, the fire's gone off Street Parade. The album is out now, right? It is. Wow, the fire doesn't sound like it's anything gone at all there. Right. <laughs> if anybody, if anybody in Radio Land doesn't, you know, needs to uh, under needs to know what's happening. Basically, nothing, nothing that she did was pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. She performed every element and used the technology to just integ- integrate it into the performance. But That's everybody the needs to, everybody seen. needs to know that there was nothing, there was nothing pre-recorded. It's not like that was a, one person yeah. with a violin. And a couple of drums and a bunch of pedals. Yeah, it's thank amazing. you for uh, clarifying that. Yeah, well, no, it's yes. important because they can't they can't see that. But I mean, uh, yeah. you know, it, I mean, it could just I mean, somebody could make backing tracks and have all sure. that. But it's not that's not. It's not as much fun. Every element was. You look like you're having fun. I, I've just never, I am, yeah, but I'm you know, it, you can probably tell I haven't played that song very long because all the details are new. So I'm thinking a lot while I'm playing. And then the goal is to not think and to just... Oh, no, we like seeing you think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting yeah. watching My you. My toes are like, should they be over yeah. <laughs> to the left or to the right? Oh, yeah. No, you've, got, you've got how many pedals are there here? Like I don't know, 20, 20 or something. Yeah, a couple of mixers, some drums, a bunch of cables. There's a lot of cables, a lot of stuff. But, but it's just an amazing treat to be able to sit here and watch this. It's a way to see produced. it. It's to be close. You can actually it's watch amazing. the feet. And you have that on, is it, you can see that on YouTube? Some you of can s- yeah, there is, there's tons and tons of videos from fans and, and official ones too. We did a really cool DVD at uh, Le Petit Theater in the French Quarter before it, right. it closed down. And so that was a real special thing mm-hmm. to be able to capture this show in particular. Yeah. You and must love this. It looks like you're having so much fun, even I though it's obviously a lot of work sitting there. But you can, you just like letting rip and you've got no one else to... to you know, I, I encumber her. Yes. <laughs> it's humbling though because it, maybe back in the day I wasn't such a good band leader because I might yell at the drummer for not playing in time and stuff. But now I can't yell at anybody. You just got yourself to yell at. <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at. Listen, while, while she's Emma. figuring everything out, there's in the back of her head she's yelling at herself. It's great. Yeah. You know, I do have multiple people in there. Do yeah. you? Screaming? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, you know, when you when you play just yourself, you have to find different voices. Like we're talking yeah, about sure. voices of the clarinet. I have to find different voices in all my instruments because otherwise it would get really, you know, boring and you'd hear the same sounds over and so over again. So when you're playing so the drum part, you feel like you're a drummer? You feel like you have to do something? She has to go, drum to, that, she has to, go to that drummer, drummer, right. tr- drummer, drummer Teresa part. space. Yeah, but it's more that when I'm singing, before I started looping, I used to just sing in all the ranges at all times. But now I might choose, all right, I'm going to stay low on this one or I'm going to just sing with... That's you know, nice. I got to think I'll about that because clarinet has has more than three octaves of range too. It's and you got tend a, it's to want to more a whole octave more than like the boring saxophone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it does. It I learned that when I was writing yeah. for Street Parade because I'd never written for horns, and I would right. bring friends in. And yeah. if you had been there, you would have learned that I, I tried very I hard. Been, I, I just, I just tried to play around. this part, and you would have said that clarinet doesn't go that low. Teresa was so nice to even call, but <laughs> I was just I was overseas. I was. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, you made up for lost time. You in Russia? Another time. No, I was in Germany. Germany. Oh, Germany. I was in Germany. Oh, it's close, right? (laughs) So listen, before we get out of here, I have to mention this book. Otherwise, Graham is never going to talk to me again. You guys are both in this book. It's called New Orleans Walls Still Standing. It's a book of photographs 
of people standing up against walls in New Orleans. That's right. So the and still standing yes. part, because she's such a music fan, the still standing part is a double entendre. The still standing part doesn't even refer to the walls as much as, re as it refers to the enduring music scene. Mm -hmm. And even though not so, these are all musicians. No, no, or no. People related well, to music no, in this book. Well, no, it, there's a lot of there's some sports figures. There's some um, there's some just New Orleans social uh, figures. But figures, yeah, yeah but there's but it's um. How it's did you basically, how did you both get in it? It's basically uh, definitely definitely everyone's related to the cultural workforce. We can say that. So mm -hmm. she says so she takes a photo of you up against a wall. In your case, Evan, here's this one of you standing up against like so a, these sort of a wooden wall, and right. then she pr prints a little story next. Everybody to it. got to choose their own story. They had free reign to, to so you you know, tell. So you chose the story you wanted to tell. Yeah, we chose the story we wanted to tell. Why don't you just read this out and then <laughs> we can't stay here all day. <laughs> okay. But all right. well, so I chose a story this about is one. Worth it. I used to visit one of my mentors, uh, the great uh, clarinetist Tony Scott, who was living in Rome. And um, and so my story is that I started hanging out with Tony Scott, the veteran bebop clarinet player, when he was 80. I went, actually, I went for his 80th birthday. Uh, one day, a few years after I met him, I was staying at his house near Rome, and I tried to cook lunch for him. I was very proud of myself because I thought I had made the perfect pasta. And he said, hmm, you like your pasta al dente, huh? <laughs> yeah, Tony, what do you think? And he said, well, mother, you know I only have one tooth. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, my, that's my story. Very oh, good. Okay. And, Teresa, your story in there, which is a bit longer, so I'm not going to make you read the whole thing. Oh, good. But you've got, a <laughs> you've got a photo of yourself standing up against what sort of a, where is that wall? It is, it's actually here wall. behind, uh, on one of the streets behind the Calms Hotel. And okay. it's, it's, the, uh, the, it's a whole wall composed of boxes, wine boxes, actually. Ah, and you're holding so your head. Oh, like where, Mar where Martin's Wine Cellar used oh, to yeah, be. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That makes sense. On Barone, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're telling the story in here about um, how you found the violin that you were just playing. Here. This violin, yeah. Yeah, in I a junk store. I found it in a junk store. And it was covered in, in dirt, and it looked like nothing. And I bought it, not for the violin, actually, but I bought it because of the bow. And I cleaned it off, and it turned out to be a wonderful violin that's been with me for years. And um, But uh, I love this book. There's so many great stories like that in here. And, uh, and Marie Doe is such a wonderful spirit and a great photographer, and I love what she did. So what, this. what she's done, what she's done, the pieces are the pieces are art. They're not just portraits of us against walls, but they actually should. She took pictures of the wall mm. without us and then with us. So, but they're all they're all self-imposed. They're not they're not double exposures in the sense that she did anything with the computer. There's only one picture in the whole book that she had to use a computer to, to manipulate. Um, that was Fats Domino. But every every single other person is is uh, is a double exposure that she did on the spot. And so they're really artfully done. A lot of the walls don't exist. A few of the people in the book had passed away, but the, um, the idea of New Orleans while still standing it was a project that she wanted to do just to show the enduring spirit of the, of the cultural, uh, the cultural I uh, think, life I think we New have Orleans. to give you your own radio show. <laughs> Jack, do you guys agree with me? Yes. Okay. Sure, yeah. 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 Sounds good. You're, like, you're, like, you're such a natural at this. No, we're talking about you're it. A, we're talking a raconteur. About, believe me, the musicians are going to have their own radio show. It's only a matter of time because, I mean, what, when, people, when people want to know about the music in New Orleans, who do they ask? Teresa, did they, I mean, when, when, when people from Sweden want to know where to go hear music, do yeah, they, 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 ask, they ask you. They ask me, and, and, and so people touring and traveling, being ambassadors of New Orleans everywhere. Believe me, it's coming. They ask how everyone's doing. And where it's, do you tell them to go? <laughs> oh, I can't even start. That list is too long. <laughs> we'll be here all night. But, but trust me, now we know a vegan place where we can send them. Yes, I mean, please do. Dream a little green. Guys, thank you so much for joining me here on Happy Hour today. My guests sitting around the table at the Collins Hotel have been O'Shea Cleveland, Teresa Anderson, and Evan Christopher. Our show is produced by Melinda Hawes, Anoush Karun, Trish Kaufman, and Graham DuPonte, our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our music director is Yay. Christian Unruh. Yay! <laughs> our web designer and link to the real world is Cliff Brigden. Mitch Yay. Foreman is playing the piano Mitch. and wrote our theme song as well. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay sober for about an hour, drop <laughs> us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. Our show is recorded live at the Collins Hotel. You can check out our other happy hours and our other shows out to lunch with Peter Aschuti live from Commander's Palace, Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic, and True to the Game with Chris True and Tammy Nelson all at itsneworleans.com. You can keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook where you can see photos actually of today's show. And they're quite fascinating. You can follow us on Twitter and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes as well. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Mitch Foreman on Piano, I'm Grant Morris. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time. You're the man, Thank Grant. You. On Happy Hour. Thanks for having us.